Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored jointly by Conversant and StoneTurn entitled The 2020 Update to the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs Impact on Compliance Programs, a conversation with Conversant and StoneTurn. In this five-part series, we consider conducting investigations and ensuring consistent outcomes, internal reporting, establishing quantifiable metrics to measure and monitor the effectiveness of your compliance program, corporate culture, and evaluation of compliance programs. And now a word about our two sponsors. With the recent update to the Department of Justice Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs, it's time to reassess your compliance program. Click the link in this episode's liner notes for Conversant's interactive self-assessment and find out exactly how you stack up against the 2020 update. When you complete the assessment, you'll have a complete scorecard showing exactly where you can improve in the eyes of the Department of Justice. All from Conversant, all at no charge. Stone Turn. Since 2004, council corporations and government agencies have turned to global advisory firm Stone Turn when facing their greatest challenges. Make Stone Turn the first place you turn for advice on regulatory, risk and compliance issues, investigations, and business disputes. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode, and I have with me again Asha Palmer. Asha is the EVP and Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer at Conversant. Asha, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me again. Thanks, Tom, for having me back. Asha, once again, the uh, 2020 update to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs carried forward a theme that was initially or or really hammered in the original 2019 evaluation, which is culture. Um, Corporate culture, assessing culture, uh, managing culture, uh, monitoring culture, changing culture. So I was wondering if we could start with how do you suggest a company assess its corporate culture? Yeah, Tom, you know, I really agree that culture is such a key element in an ethics and compliance program. And I think all of us in-house have been like in the conversation at the table that's like, who owns culture, right? And and the DOJ guidelines really show that they expect ethics and compliance, regardless of who owns it, to have a huge part in it. And I think that is amazing. You know, it really is figuring out how do people feel about the organization? And I think a lot of us have gone through the path of doing surveys, right? Cultural surveys, I feel like, have taken up in popularity over the last uh, few years about you know, how do people feel about the organization? Do people feel that managers would circumvent rules or, or procedures in order to meet the bottom line? The, the thing that we're still trying to figure out, though, and the thing that ethics and compliance professionals really need to tackle is what do you do with that data that comes in? If we have an organization where people say the managers are willing to, you know, break rules in order to meet bottom line, then what is the next step? And I don't think we have gotten that quite right yet in the profession of what to do about it. I'll answer the question with one suggestion, which is ethical leadership. Where does ethical leadership training happen within our organizations? So if people think managers would break rules in order to meet a bottom line, how do we counteract that and make sure that managers know that they're required not to? 
And do we address that elephant in the room head on and say, look, you do not break rules to meet a bottom line. If you feel you need to, you have an obligation to speak up about it and to put the onus on that leadership to really make sure they are owning the culture and to make sure that it's ethical. Asha, in a prior episode, we talked about internal reporting. And one of the things you mentioned was that internal reporters need to be assured there will not be retaliation, retribution, or they'll be treated uh, inappropriately. And it really leads me to want to have a discussion with you about institutional justice and the role of the CECO or the CCO in institutional justice. Why do you see that as so critical to corporate culture? It's so critical to corporate corporate culture because, again, we ask people if you see it, say it. And then the question for us as CECOs is, okay, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to protect me? And how are you going to make sure this doesn't happen again? That's why people speak up. They want something different to happen. They want change. So we have to show them and reassure that we're focused on that change. And we're also focused on protecting them. And the most important thing to me about organizational justice is it can't be hierarchical, right? The the C-suite has to be Uh, obligated to the same standards as the person on the shop floor. And historically, that hasn't been true. And so why would you speak up about your manager or someone who's senior if you think that that the fact of their position, someone won't look into it or have the authority to look into it? I also think that brings up a good question about reporting lines, right? A lot of people within house have changed where the CECO's reporting line is. So we as CECOs really need to think, are we empowered to even investigate the CEO if that were necessary? And we need to build a program that is empowered to investigate the CEO just as the same as any other employee. Institutional fairness and even institutional justice, though, are are much broader than this. And uh, my favorite example was in my last corporate position, people were fired in Brazil for cheating on their expense accounts. And two weeks later, the top salesman in America was caught cheating on his expense accounts. And I said to have any credibility has to be fired. How do you see fairness, overall fairness in uh, discipline, in promotion, in uh, even things as uh, individual employee reviews as a critical part of corporate culture? You know, Tom, when I was uh, thinking about what we were going to talk about today, the number one thing I wrote down is consistency, right? We have to be consistent in how we treat people, whether it's in Brazil or in the U.S., because people are watching and they want to know that we are not, we have a process that's fair. First, you have to have a process that's fair. And to have a process that's fair, it's not outcome driven. It's process driven. And we have to have things like sentencing guidelines that apply consistent uh, punishment or or um, corrective actions and disciplinary actions when cases arise. But whatever we decide our program is, we have to be consistent in how we um, apply the fairness element. I guess I wanted to explore with you, is that the simply the role of the CECO or can you enlist key allies such as HR, such as legal, perhaps uh, other executives? Is is that something you can have a discussion with, uh, with the people that are uh, kind of co-equal with you as heads of corporate disciplines? 
Of course, Tom, you know, I'm the hugest fan of cross-functional collaboration um, because we all look at things a little bit differently. And so there should be coordination and collaboration amongst departments. One of the things we did in my last position was before an employee could be promoted or before an employee got a bonus or otherwise, they connected with compliance to see whether or not this person was subject to disciplinary or corrective action, because that tells us too what kind of culture and company culture that we want to promote. Do you want to promote people who have had very serious um, ethical or compliant transgressions? No. And so we all need to be consistent and collaborate on that because a lot of times we can't communicate what individual outcomes are to cases. It, it, it would violate our confidentiality and it doesn't protect the person who's either the subject or or the suspect. And so we really have to protect that and we have an obligation that we take that seriously. But that doesn't mean that when we can't consult each other's files, when there's things like promotions that are up. Ash, if I could uh, change the focus just a little bit to the new Conversant Converge community. And it's a place that we both are a part of and we're both uh, very excited about. But I was wondering how uh, a compliance practitioner might be able to use the Converge community to help them through some of the issues we've talked about around corporate culture. I think, first of all, at the Converge community, we may find a definition for culture. <laughs> I think, you know, as I said, it's such right now a broad subject and we're not exactly sure what our role is and how we cross-functionally collaborate, et cetera. And so the Converge community will not only provide resources that help us grow and expand our definition of what culture is, but also to how to address it and how to improve it if necessary. We can collaborate across ethics and compliance professionals and see what other people are doing. How have people used their survey results to improve culture? How have people used their helpline data to improve culture? How have people done and engaged in ethical leadership training or otherwise? And they've seen a benefit a measurable benefit on the other side. I think having that community where we really share these best practices and ideas is so important. Asha, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I greatly look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode in the Stone Turn and Conversant podcast series on 2020 update to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs impact on compliance programs. I hope you'll join us again for another episode. Please check out the show notes where you can find information on Conversant's self-assessment based on the 2020 updates. Also, Conversant's Converge 20 is now open for registration, and I would urge you to take a look at the agenda. It's going to be a fabulous attend. This episode of the Conversant Stone Turn podcast series has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network.